This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Well, welcome to the 2014 Fall Edition of the Distinguished Speaker Series here at UC Santa Barbara. We have a great lineup, and we're starting off with a uh, fantastic speaker that I'm very excited about, um, Dr. Wagi Ishak, Ishak. Excuse me. He is the Vice President and Director of Corning's West Coast Technology Center. So Dr. Ishak has been with Corning since 2007, and he's done many, many things at Corning, as you might imagine. Um, he's going to talk about some of them today. Um, but one thing that, uh, that we're most proud of here at the university, and we think is just quite an accomplishment, is creating Corning's West Coast, or excuse me, the West Technology Center. It's in Palo Alto, and what, um, what that com- is comprised of is scientists and engineers who are working on a number of interesting breakthrough technologies, including high-speed interconnects, touch displays, solid-state illumination, as well as um, a variety of sensors. So this center is also responsible under Dr. Ishak's guidance for setting up business development relationships. Now, what that means is they're out there creating partnerships, trying to bring some of this technology into the marketplace. You don't always do that on your own. Oftentimes, you'll partner with another company, maybe a government entity, maybe a variety of companies. So that's also under um, Dr. Ishak's purview. Before he joined Corning in 2007, so from 2005 to 2007, he was the chief technology officer and vice president of Avago Technologies, Before that, from 2003 to 2005, he was the vice president and director of photonics and electronics um, research lab at Agilent, where he was head of a number of different research and development programs, including that that related to photonics, including high-speed electronics, sensors, semiconductor testing, wireless communications, and and consumer electronics, a wide purview of the types of technologies that he was bringing into the market, from basic research all the way to uh, finished uh, end products for consumers. So it's one thing to be very accomplished in, in, as, a, as a manager of technology, and that's pretty significant, bringing a lot of uh, value into the world that way. Uh, Dr. Ishak has also brought tremendous value into the world through his publications. He's published over 100 journal uh, and conference papers, and he's also authored four chapters in the Handbook of Electronic Instruments. He's a fellow at the IEEE, and he was named an inventor on seven U.S. patents. So managing uh, a huge number of people, but at the same time actually creating uh, technologies as an inventor. He's on a variety of technology advisory boards, including that, those at USC, UC Santa Barbara, uh, UC Santa Cruz, UC San Diego, um, University, uh, excuse me, Santa Clara University, NCR in Canada, um, as well as um, he's involved with Panorama Venture Capital Firm. He, reserved his B, re, he received his BS degree um, in electrical engineering uh, from Cairo University. That wasn't enough. So two years later, he went back and got another under, undergraduate degree in mathematics, um, also in Egypt. He later got his master's degree and his PhD in electrical engineering from McMaster's University, which is in Ontario, Canada. Very, very pleased to have Dr. Ishak with us here today. Let's give him a very warm welcome. Thank you very much for this nice introduction. Actually, it sounds much more than I know about myself. This is good. The way, the way you gave it is really very nice. Um, it's great to be here. 
And I want to thank Bob York for inviting me and for Cassidy Ming, who made it very easy for me. She just generated a fantastic agenda for me today. And what a day to come to UC Santa Barbara. Congratulations on the sixth Nobel Prize. And uh, when I heard about it at San Francisco airport, I, was, I said, should I go or not? Because nobody will listen to me today. I mean, you're just busy with Nobel, uh, a Nobel laureate who deserves it. And, and, and uh, luckily, I was able to see him today and took a selfie with him. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you what I'll be talking about, but first, I have a, a safety slide here. We learned at Corning to have a safety slide as our first slide in every PowerPoint presentation. We take safety very seriously, and I think you do. For those of you who are going to start their own companies or work for large companies in material science or even software, you really have to be careful about safety. So I picked one randomly. I have 52 of them. And I picked this one about driving because driving around this building is, <laughs> what is this? I mean, I just, the bikes were coming from every direction, as you told me, Baba and, and, and Cassidy, to take care, but it's, it's worse than I thought. And, and uh, note this point here. Use your seatbelt and don't be distracted, because those phones are so tempting. So I know some companies in the Bay Area who, are, who will fire an employee if he gets or she gets a ticket while texting, texting while driving. So it's just, it's, it's very serious, so please take it seriously. And here's a slide I, I just generated before I came here to this building with your new Nobel, Nobel laureate, so uh, a great contribution. And when I sent this to my boss in upstate New York, he said, great, Nobel Prize is being given to someone who invented something that's practical and uh, impact our life. Versus, I mean, astronomy and all those uh, other Nobel Prize. <laughs> so, this is what, uh, I mean, they are important too. The, uh, I am going to talk about the, the, a vision of the connected world, and I advise you, for those who have not seen it, there is a five minute video on YouTube. Just put a day made of glass. It's a, a, a video that depicts the future that I'm going to show you some still pictures of that Corning came up with in 2012. It's a nice video that captivated more than 32, more than 32 million hits that you have from this video. It shows the future of displays and communications that we will all enjoy. And some of this vision which should take place in the next couple of decades is, all, is happening already. Then I'll talk about the word innovation and who are the innovators. The word innovation, I think, is overrated, but I'll try to make it simple and in a, in a way that we can all relate to. And then what's happening in Silicon Valley. You are very close to Silicon Valley, but you are not that close. I'm just in the middle. I'm in Palo Alto on Pagemere Road, half a mile away from Stanford. Tesla Motor next to me. Facebook is two miles away. Google is five miles, Apple is six miles south, HP is 200 meters, and Cisco is 12 miles away. It's just amazing, a vibrant environment. You have a, 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 a microcosm of that, but Silicon Valley is just, um, it's a, the place to be, especially for startups, 
And the VCs are in one place. All those big cities of Google, Facebook, and Applied Materials, and Cisco, and HP are everywhere. And there are more than 4,000 in the last count in this Bay Area. Talk about some technology trends that I am watching, and I think you will agree with me that we should watch. And then end up with a couple of flies on, on, on the, the age of material science. You are number one in material science in the country. The National Academies ranked you a couple of years ago as number one in the country, and, and, and deservedly so. So you should be proud of that. And I think the next two decades will be the decades of chemistry and material science. And I'll tell you why. Ending with final uh, thoughts here. So I start with one thing. What do people want from life? Number one, I claim good health. Okay? Good health including exercise, prolonged life, healthy food, healthy air, and exercise, as you can see here in this picture. So good health is number one. Number two, good communications. You want to communicate anywhere, anytime, to anyone for free. You guys want it for free. And, and actually, if you think about how much you pay for your telephone bills this day, it's actually very low compared to what we paid 10 years ago. So communications almost free. I would say almost free. We want to make some money out of communication. And good entertainment. So those are the things that you need from life. Good health, good communications, and good entertainment. The reason I listed that is that when I talk about problems that matter, when you want to join a company, when you have an idea that you want to go and start, get a startup starting, think about what people really want. Don't try to push your technology. Try to find out what people want, and from that, find out how to solve those problems. If I want to have good health, and I want to go to the doctor, and I want the doctor to diagnose my disease very quickly, prescribe the medicine that will not give me any side effects, that doctor probably wants to analyze my DNA very quickly in a very short time, in two minutes, three minutes. We cannot do that today. It takes a long time, it's expensive. Can we do that? What kind of technology we need to do that? And how? This is one thing. Communications, I think we are doing very well in communications. What happens in fiber optic communications and wireless communications in the past three or 30 or 40 years, just amazing. Is it going to stop there? There will be more breakthroughs. There, people are expecting the phone to run at tens of gigahertz processor speed, tons of memories. It will have, the software will be so awesome that it will detect your personality and, 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 and help you. There are some signs we can see today, but it will get better and better. So this is a connected world that we, will, we are seeing. From the time you wake up in the morning, you can't wait to answer your email. We'll be answering it on a transparent display like this. Time choosing your clothes, matching clothes and shoes, and, and, and she's matching her clothes here on, on, on a, uh, a creative or intelligent mirror. Connected all the time, getting your news in the morning, getting in the car and adjusting the, I'll talk about cars, how cars looks today and, and the way they are moving into um, and getting your personality on the car. Moving on the freeway, imagine something like that where the signs on the freeway are programmable. 
They are displays. What prevents them from being very high quality displays and change uh, information to education? That individual received a large number of hits. For some reason, young kids like to use transparent display. Display that where you can see the people behind. Do you like transparent display? Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's go to the next slide. And uh, here, is, here is a way of, uh, and we are seeing that big time now, uh, uh, education institutions. They want large displays, and the teacher, the instructor will be using the large display to explain um, the class in the lab. Displays everywhere. This is a big transparent display, and in, in, in when you go on picnics and visits, even in the medical field, how to use displays and communication to do microsurgery, to do analysis uh, over long distance. And finally, when you end up at home, at the end of the day, 3D displays and very awesome display. I, I, just, I just saw the 8K, 80-inch display. It was a bit curved. Just amazing. I wanted one right away. It was so thin. But the problem is that how am I going to get that into my house? I mean, I can buy one and build a new house around it. But, and the distance between you and the display has to be a certain distance because you don't want to do that. But it's very, it's, it's very, very nice. 8K, 4K and 8K. There aren't a lot of contents that are trans, um, broadcast at 8K, but eventually it will happen. Netflix is, is, is buying into the idea. So wait until you see the, the future for displays. Other trends, other things that we are seeing. We're seeing that sensors are becoming important. People talked about sensors for a long time. But the mobile phone and the tablets have, are making it much easier now. People want to find the quality of the air in this room. Measure it now and measure it 30 minutes into my talk. I want to see the difference. Ripeness of food. When I go and buy food, I want to see how ripe they are. People are talking about the Ebola virus now and, and, and the there are talks about screening people at airports. So I want to find out. I mean, I'm always on this plane. I travel more than 200,000 miles a year. And I don't know the people sitting next to me what kind of disease they have. And I won't have my phone to beep and say, get out of this plane as quickly as possible. <laughs> so I mean, when it was on the ground, of course. So, uh, so those tiny scanners and, and the, the processing power and the, the storage power and the algorithms inside those phones will make those things easier. Wearable displays. Do you recognize that? Those two things? This is an announcement by Apple, the Apple Watch, and this is a Google Glass. Did anyone, did you see these things? Actuality? What do you think? Will you wear one of those? I mean, I, I, I got one, and I used it to guide me so the New York, uh, up, upstate New York, it, it worked very well. But probably I want it to, to look like this one. It, it would be better if it looked like this one. People talk about privacy and taking videos and taking pictures, but wearable displays is becoming more and more important. Here is another way of wearable displays. You put it here, 
I'm wearing one of them. I get all my email on this one here. But some of the problems that happen, and people are paying attention to that, is when you wear something like this, people will take notice and, and keep looking at you. So they said, okay, let's do it here. But now when I get an email message, I do this. So in all my meetings, people are thinking that I'm bored and I don't like to continue with the meeting. So there are habits, and, and eventually, I mean, the, the momentum behind this is very high. People like to have those information delivery mechanisms, and we'll see more and more of that. Cars. This is the largest tablets on wheels. This is a big battery, 60 kilowatt hour or 85 kilowatt hours. You add to it the cover. You put a frame and a motor, a tiny motor here. This is a motor on the Tesla electric car. You put a big display, like two iPads, the frame, and you have a car. It is a tablet on wheels. Battery, display, a tiny motor. Don't you have, you have gyros in your phone? So it's really, a, there, is, there are no fluids. The only fluid is the windshield wiper fluid. There is no tune-up, there is no mechanic, there is no pistons and firing on time. And it's just an, a, an electric car, very tiny induction motor. And <laughs> look at that, it has an app that tells you where the car is, exactly, from anywhere around the world. Tells you that charge, how many miles left, 150 in that case. It tells you that you turn the air conditioning on from a distance at 66 degree. Electric cars, 260 mile range. In the future, it might go to 500 miles. We need better batteries. Think of that. The battery technology did not improve at the same rate as other electronic technology. So if you have an idea about a good battery, please don't keep it inside. Tell me. I mean, we want, want to find out about that. And uh, there was an announcement that Tesla Motors will build a, a very large battery uh, factory in, in Nevada. So um, more electric cars in the way. I see them more often in the, on the road now. And all those things that will be connected to the internet, my car is connected to the internet. My phones, of course, my tablets, my computers, the watch, everything is going to the internet. We expect that in two years, there will be five to seven gadgets connected to the internet per every person on the planet. That's a large number, much more than 25 billion. And look at the predictions of how the phone will look like in the future. What is, the, what is the processor in your phone today, the best phone? Six or three? I think it's about three gigahertz. I could be wrong here, but an order of magnitude by 2020. What is the wireless connection that you get on your phone? Uh, who do you, who's your carrier? Uh, I want that. T-Mobile will give you 100 miles, 100... Uh, Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that LTE goes to 100, but okay, it would be 500, five times. How much memory do you have in your phone? Storage. 64 terabytes? <laughs> we, we, we eat memory. We, I mean, the new phones have 128 gigabytes. Can you, giga. 
You know what Giga stands to the nine? You, UC Santa Barbara, are good on those numbers. You achieved world records in communication, so Giga and Terra are just VC to us. I mean, just, this is something that you should be proud of. Okay, speaking about Giga and Terra and Peta and Exa, you know what's after Exa? Zeta, 10 to the 21. What's after Zeta? Yota, 10 to the 24. What's after Yota? Nothing. <laughs> the MK system stops at Yota, 10 to the 24. So we need another uh, invention here, another naming. But look at that, in 2018, the IP video traffic will be almost 80% of all consumer traffic. Internet video to TV will have doubled since 2013. Large numbers. The, the prediction from this, or the, the, calc the measurements from this paper is that all the traffic that we used since the internet was invented till a few months ago was one zettabyte, 10 to the 21. And we expect that this amount will be doubled in two years. It will be running at one zettabytes every year. Large amount of information. Don't worry about jobs. Don't worry, there are jobs. I mean, that we, have, we need engineers and scientists who have the business aspects of the, of the business model of their companies, well, business, well thought of business models to, to run those companies. Look at this. Over half of all the IP traffic originate from non-PC devices. What's a PC? Oh, even you, you don't know what PC is. How many people use PCs versus your phone or tablet, that, that your main device that you use on a daily basis? PCs? Okay. What's the other? What do you, uh, tablets? Okay, what about the others? What do you use? Huh? A phone. Oh, phones? Oh, whoa. So you can actually do a lot of your business on the phone. That's good. So you are, you're kind of agreeing with this number. And look at this one here. Wireless and mobile device will account for 60% of the traffic. Now, there is a problem here. There isn't enough bandwidth for wireless to take us. I mean, you, you talked about 100. I think 100 is probably where the standard is written for, but all you are getting is 5 to 10 megabit per second, at best, if you run your, your uh, speed test. Even if you get 100 megabit per second, I want a gigabit per second. I want to send a lot of pictures for, to my kids at once. Just so wireless, might, we need inventions to modulate those signals and make better use of the allowed space. So I'm going to run this slide here. We have big demands on the communication network. The data, the storage, and the traffic. Big time. We are approaching this. So how are we going to solve this? We need innovative solutions. We need people like you who have the technical degree, but people who can understand the business aspects of your idea. So what is innovation? What is the definition of the word innovation? The best definition that, in my opinion, is that you come up with an idea, invent an idea, and take it all the way to completion to an, a product. 
it doesn't have to be a product, but you take it, you demonstrate that the idea works, and demonstrate that it's reproducible. It doesn't mean anything if you tell me that I invented a laser that will obsolete any kind of laser, but I need a $2 billion factory to build it, and I cannot build it in large volume. It just doesn't make sense. Or a transistor, or a new material. So inventions are very important. And my suggestion to you, document, document, document. You have the phone, talk to it if you come up with a new idea. Very important to keep a record, okay? And then diligence, due diligence, just try to run the idea. So I'll show you examples from history of people who invented, those three people invented the transistor. 1949, I think it was, 47. They got Nobel Prize three. Those three people got the Nobel Prize for it. But this guy made it a reality with integrated circuits, and he got the money. And uh, my observation is that usually happens. The inventor gets a glory with a prize. The, implement, the person who takes the invention to innovation, to real product, get the money. Here's another example. Here's Cow, who, who wrote the first paper on waveguide propagation, the origin of fiber optics. He got the Nobel Prize. Those are the three scientists from Corning who took this and in really invented the low-loss fiber that made the internet a reality. I know this guy don't kick very well. Without this, that work in 1971 and the internet would have been delayed. And they are the ones who got the money. So, in order to have those innovations in every organization, a large company or a small company, you need two classes of people. We call them the T. The scientists and engineers fit into what we call sources and resources. People who are broad and people who are deep. It will be great to find the guy who is broad and deep. There are many of them, but usually you see people who like to be working on many technologies, understand it enough to explain it and to practice it. But also you find the people who are aiming at the Nobel Prize, the very deep knowledge, okay? So both of them are needed in every organization. And actually, um, it's, it's the intersection between the two. You, you need the deep people, those resources, to mentor other people within the organizations, but you need the sources to interact with the outside world. Both of them, again, are needed for any organization. And you really can't tell when you interview people whether they are sources or resources. You look the same. And in an interview, you can't tell who is the deep and who is the, the, but it is an important thing to find out as you join the organization, who are your sources and who are your resources. I. I give it to HP, they taught me, because I spent about 30 years with HP and its subsidiaries, but interviewing so many people taught me how to find out <coughs> a competency, the energy, the passion for the job, and how smart the person is. But you cannot tell their teamwork, dependability, those are things that you take the risk by hiring the people, look at their track record, but once they started working, you can figure out those um, traits. So 
I'm going to give you, this slide really is a summary of my 37 year observation about innovators. Who are the innovators? They are people who are unhappy with the status quo, always want to change, always want to make life better around them. Okay, I remember the guy who invented the optical mouse at HP then, 1995. He came actually one time and gave me a big piece. I said, this is your new mouse. And I said, go back to your project. I didn't see it. He saw it. But it was big. The mouse was small. So he came back in a few weeks and had this. I said, this is your mouse. And I saw the LED light coming out. Persistent. He wanted to, he, he, he was sick and tired of the trackball mouse. You remember? The is very low. You guys don't remember the trackball mouse, do you? Okay. You can't buy it anymore. So you had to take it apart and clean the ball and put it back. He said, I don't like that. I want to change it. And now the optical mouse and laser mouse don't need any cleaning. They are system thinkers. He did not say, I want to invent a mouse. Okay, here is a prototype. He, he looked at the future. Okay, the mouse should be, doesn't require cleaning, very fast, very accurate. He thought of the whole system and built the whole prototypes. Okay, so the best innovators are people who are system thinkers. They are not afraid of being first. They will come to you and say, look at this. Even if it's a bad idea, even if it turns out to be undoable, just crazy idea. So those are the best innovators. They don't keep it for themselves and sleep on it and just people will extract it from them. They go and socialize their ideas. They have passion and they have energy. I don't believe in those quiet guys who get idea in the shower and have to take your time, Starbucks and all. They usually very passionate, very energetic people. You work very hard. But this is the most important trait. They are lucky. And luck prefer the prepared mind. They connect the dots. The guy who invented the mouse, he saw one guy next to him doing a scanner. Ah, it takes 6,000 pictures per second. I can do that. The surface of the, of the table has a, a unique features in it. So if you take the pictures, I can do the correlation. I need a correlation engine. I need a light source. So. Lucky is just being just being at the right place, leveraging the environment around them. And you, as a leader of a team of innovators, what should you do to foster this innovation? Number one, you have to show a genuine interest in it. When he came to me with this new mouse and I said, go back to your project, that was bad. I didn't show a genuine interest in it. But I learned that. And you have to mentor him and raise Take your ego out. There are many leaders of groups who get envious of some people who invent. Why didn't I think of it? For a successful organization, you have to take that ego. It's hard. Take it out. Take it out. And you have to be a little crazy with those inventors. I mean, you just come back on Monday. I was doing this, and look at what I did. You have to play the game with them, and you have to raise the bar. Challenge them. Make it... Harder. Apparently, I made it harder for him when I said, no, go to, this is big. But I wasn't, that wasn't my intention. But if you intend to challenge them, I think they get better. Have to be patient with them and reward the innovations. 
and celebrate failures. I mean, probably 80% of all the ideas you will hear will never see the light. But you have to celebrate the fact that people tried and proven wrong, okay, fine, and they will think of a better idea next time. So I have this on my desk, and I remind myself if someone comes with an idea, just I won't forget any of these uh, factors. So um, you want to create, especially for those who want to start um, uh, a startup, you, you, yes, you are focused on one single project, but you have to create an environment where people can be creative and can take risks, okay? And accept the fact that people will make mistakes. The first time you, kill, you, you hurt someone because of a mistake, it just will show how bad a manager or a leader you will be. Accepting mistakes and celebrating them, because people will correct the mistakes, right? So you, it happens everywhere, every organization. But then you need the risk takers. You need the people who are not afraid of being first, are not afraid of showing their devices and their ideas. And not this kind of risk. I mean, this, this, is, this is crazy. A calculated risk will be better. So something like that. I mean, you think a little bit before you jump into spending a lot of money. So. I think identifying those people who can take a calculated risk is very, very important. And you need to accelerate the inventions. I will repeat this many times. Identify problems that matters. Don't invent a new material for some other people to find an application for. Hard, okay? Don't give me a device without thinking, what will that do? And remember the three things, good health, good communications, and good entertainment. Okay, those are what we, we need from life. So identify the problem, generate the prototypes, I'll go quickly through this one. Filter those ideas very quickly and weed out the ones that don't, you think don't work. You cannot work on all of them. Okay, and take the risk. We are paid to do that. And uh, for, skip number six, but before you finish a project, think of your next project. There is no time in between. That, that pace is so fast these days. You have to finish the first project, but as you see it coming to fruition, start allocating some time for the next project. Okay, so being intimate, that's the most important bullet here. Being intimate to the final customer is very good. You as a scientist, don't isolate yourself. Don't say, I'm doing research and engineering. I'm sorry, I'm not doing marketing. Doesn't work. As a successful businessman, technical leader of, of in, a, in a high-tech company, you will be the marketeer. You will be the salesperson. I'm here today. I, I try to sell one of our products. And I will see what happens. But you have to do that. It's, it's, it's a requirement from us. And don't always aim at a, at a home run. I mean... I remember the times in 1999 and 2000 where our manager sent us to find a billion-dollar business. There aren't many billion-dollar businesses these days. So, and those who really worked to find the big item, I mean, that's what happened to them. So it is, it is okay to have a single or a double, but always aiming at a home run, you will wait for a long time. 
but assist. I mean, get the single, and, and, and the next guy will help you to get the double. So the, the time of looking for a multi-billion dollar business is, not, is over. As I said, weed out those bad ideas as quickly as possible. If someone comes to you with this idea, just ignore it. I mean, you, have to, you can't agree to every idea, right? Um, for speed, focus, and accountability. It is okay to build a, uh, something that will work 3DB less in, in performance, but 3DB less in cost. People will be attracted to that. You know, some of the Chinese companies now that are taking away business from Western companies by building devices that don't do all the bells and whistles, but lower cost. Lower cost is proving to be important now. The focus, if it is a startup, focus on one project. Everybody is on one project, behind one project, and the accountability. Take charge and own your project. Um, I remember the, one of the um, advices that I got day one in 1977 when I joined Hewlett Packard, HP Labs, is that my manager told me that uh, bend backward, but don't break your back. Bend backward in a team. In a team, you'll get an assignment. Work as hard as possible on it. As hard as possible to make it successful. But don't reach the point where you break your back and it will be useless to the team. So this is a very important advice that I use all the time. Okay, so do you remember the time in 2002 after the big, I don't know if you guys remember that. That was like 12 years ago. You were very young. At that time, after the big bubble of the dot-com, all companies were really tired. We went at very, very slow speed. This is what, what Silicon Valley is doing now. Moving at extremely high speed. There is no time to waste. People work 25 hours, 367 days a year. And it's just the, the pace, which is good. I mean, it, 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 it's the, some people like that. And if you really want to be successful, you can just sit down and wait for the opportunity. You have to look for it. So let me tell you a little bit of Silicon Valley. This is a picture of Silicon Valley from San Francisco or Marin County all the way to Monterey. Large number, we can't put them on one picture. There are large number of companies. You know what that is? You have to see that from the air. I saw it from the airplane, it's big. It's a state-of-the-art headquarters. I, I, some people call it the iSpace ship, but it's, it's, um, it will house several thousand people with energy efficiency, uh, lots of trees, uh, bikes, and an and, and, and inviting environment to work in. Google headquarters, it's amazing. And so is Facebook. They just, you can see the competition that's happening in Silicon Valley, large companies like that. And we are seeing things that are similar to what we saw in 2000. Did you hear about the announcement that Google bought Nest for $3 billion plus? Why would, have you seen the Nest thermostat? It's a thermostat that's connected to the internet. Why do you need a thermostat connected to the internet? Can someone tell me? Why do you need your thermostat at home? You can control it remotely, turn the air conditioning before you get home. If you forget it when you are outside, you just turn it off. A lot, a lot of data, it generates your personalized energy usage and the utilities can take that and make a lot of usage out of it. So Google is smart to think about this and because you need an eye on your well, the, the energy usage at home. 
And I think there was a response from uh, Facebook. Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp. Actually, I never use WhatsApp. What is WhatsApp? Is it a texting thing? Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So when I heard that, I thought, oh, are we back to 2000 again, where companies were buying companies? I think Bob and John remember those days. But the difference is that now there is a demand for all of those. Thanks to you for all the text messages that you are sending. It makes WhatsApp so powerful and so valuable. I talked about the Google Glass. Companies sending drones in the air to connect people to the internet. Amazing environment. Um, the hiring war, people stealing. Here is a director of DARPA, hired by Google. Here is Apple, or Tesla Motor, hiring someone from Apple. Just uh, a, a diff different environment. I'm going to skip this one. So, trends to watch. No question about it. The internet is growing. It's very good for this universe. It's very good for the environment. Fiber optics. What we talked about 20 years ago is really a reality now. Fiber is getting everywhere, even to the consumer hands. We just introduced a fiber cable. It's the Thunderbolt cable that many of you use for the Apple machine. And the USB 3.0 cable, it's all optical inside. Electrical to electrical, but there are lasers and photodetectors and fiber. So you take, go from electrical to optical. You go at high speed, 10 gigabits per second, and 5 gigabits for the USB, and convert to electrical at the other end. So just in your hand. Okay? Optics was in our hands before, when you use the optical mouse or the laser mouse. But here is another opportunity. So the, the, the promise of fiber optics and optical communications is, is happening, and it's, it's going to be very powerful. Sensors. We started a project to do embedded sensors. I want to be able to do a lot of sensing with my phone, as I told you. Air quality, food ripeness, uh, human vital functions. Th that, it is possible. Technologically, it's possible. But doing it in a way that will preserve the quality of the display on the phone and making a phone call, browsing the web. Preserving that and keeping it intact, I think, is very important. <clears throat> and what you are demanding, good health, good communications, and good entertainment. Here is a book that, oops, I'll go back, that we wrote. Uh, there was a participant from UC Santa Barbara, Dean Alferness, uh, was in the committee that wrote this book. It's called The uh, Optics and Photonics, Essential Technologies for Our Nation. We wrote that book two years ago. And that was the essence of a series of committees hearing in the Senate and the Congress. And finally, President Obama announced last week that, is it last week? Or, yeah, last week, the, institu the um, Institute, Integrated Photonics Institute. I think $100 million, $100 matched. First time that the president's talking about photonics. So it's the optoelectronics, photonics, fiber optic, communication, sensing, medical application also. It doesn't have to be just communications. Optics is pervasive in a large number of applications. So that is very important. Sensors, I talked about that. Here are examples of some sensors that are actually being announced. So. I don't want that. 
Now here's your phone, and you have to adjust this dongle, big dongle. I want that here, embedded there. Think about that, making it so miniature and embedded there using the process power and the storage power of the phone. Other things, other trends, diagnosing people quickly, 3D printing. It just exploded. I mean, it, it spread like fire. There are companies, I visited Autodesk, they have large number of printers, 3D printers. It's actually scary to hear that the Boeing 787 is, uh, is using 300 pieces inside with a 3D printing. It, it's, I don't know if it's a proven technology or not, but it's new technology, right? And I just, um, it's making it, uh, I mean, inroad inside a plane and inside cars, uh, fiber devices, uh, new materials. Here is another trend. I don't know if you agree with me on this one, online education. Anyone take online classes here? I mean, large number of students in the class, few. Okay, and here is another one, driverless cars. Do you see them? Do you have any here in Santa Barbara? There are a few in the Bay Area that uh, without drivers, people sit on the uh, other seat and, and, and the, the guidance, the, all the guidance is done automatically for you. Works very well on the freeway. I just want to see them on the, on the side streets. And, and uh, uh, I, I heard that it, oh, most of the technology, the sensor technology is available. It's just making it really bulletproof. Nanotechnology. We have talked about nanotechnology for a long time. It's about time for it to, to be used now. So here is my request of you. I want materials that bend. I can put electronic devices on it or optical devices or MEMS devices and bend it and it still works. I want materials that senses. I can put my fingerprints, it, uh, my finger here, and, and it looks at like my fingerprint and allow me inside the phone, but I want it to sense me and say, this is the operating system that you like. Those are your preference for the operating system. I want a material that stores, material that process, and material that eliminates fingerprints. The worst thing that people complain about the phone are the fingerprints. It's a hard, problem, but if you have a solution for it, please talk to me. We are looking for that. Because when you have your phone turned off and you see all those fingerprints, it doesn't look good. But the difficulty of the problem is that each one of us has different oils on, on their fingers, so it's hard to find a universal solution to it. Well, I don't, don't want to discourage you, but please find a solution to this. Okay? So, some of the lessons that I learned that I mean, summarize here for your um, consideration is that you will have to work very hard and you will get tired and you will have breakdown. But that's, those are some signs of success. If you are not tired, if it comes to you so easily and something is wrong. So that's why you said breakthroughs happen at, uh, requires breakdown. Um, when, you when, you, when you have something new, you'll find many antibodies. Many people will, will, will try to stop you. Don't. If you are a true innovator, as I said in a previous slide, don't fear of being first. Don't, don't say, ah, I'm, I'm worried that some people will kill my idea. Let them kill your idea. I do that at work. 
when someone comes up with a new idea after I, saw, I show my genuine interest, I bring two or three people and I say, Mike came up with an idea. Go and kill it. Go and kill it. Kill it means find all the problems with it. Find out how persistent and passionate and willing he is to implement his ideas. I, I, I really, my intention is that to challenge it, Mike can bring it to a, to a higher bar. Um, so profits accrue to innovators more than inventors. I showed you that before. But I mean, I, I would like to have a Nobel Prize. I mean, this is, this is, this is good for me. Nothing happens except out of relationships. Build your network. Don't lose a business card. Don't eat lunch alone. Talk to people. I will never forget the time when I was on a 747, and the guy in front of me was snoring, and there was a, a noise, a guy was asleep. And he has a card reader, and he was passing his business cards inside the card reader. It was scanning the card reader and going into his Outlook. So I talked to him. I said, what is this? The first time I saw this is a business card reader. It takes all the information, put it on my contact list. I did the same thing. I have 4,600 contacts on my list. Very useful. Always correct it because people move around. Okay? Today, I insisted everybody I met get me the business card. Except the students, you guys don't have business cards, but that's fine. And, and I, I, I have them in my pocket here, and I will, I will, when I go home, I'll just I'll scan them. I can scan on my phone and, and, and put them in my contact list. Your network will help you a lot. Don't depend on your memory. Don't. Okay, that, that's the reason I was hired to Corning, apparently. I have this network. So final thoughts. Please remember to solve a problem that the society wants a solution for. Not that you just want a solution for, other people do, okay? You cannot do everything yourself. Exploit the sin of people around you. Work in a team. A teamwork is very important, okay? Leverage the universities. The universities, Awesome, if you link up with the right professor. Amazing what you can get out of that. Build your network, bring the outside in, okay? And I talked about partnering with university. Our approach, be selective with a few universities, but once you select, be intimate. Very intimate with the group, and over multiple years, okay? To the managers, encourage the innovation and celebrate failures. Expect mistakes. Mistakes will happen. Okay? You can't avoid them. Build a genuine, in that case, R&D environment, but build a genuine work environment. I always heard that people leave their companies because they don't like their boss, they don't like their project, they don't like the environment and the infrastructure, they don't like their salaries in that order. Boss, project, environment, and salary. So if you hire someone, and you are a good boss, but you give them a project that they are not, just, you have to wake up in the morning to go to work. That's the second advice that my hiring manager gave me in 1977. If you wake up one morning and you don't want to come to work, don't come. Change jobs. 
you have, really have to like it. Another thing is that you don't want to hire people without resources. You cannot go to conferences, you cannot buy a board, you cannot buy a wafer, you cannot buy a pencil, they have no labs, just doesn't work. So you need to build the genuine environment for work and re reward promptly and fairly. I got an advice one time of being the one-minute manager. My manager told me, I want you to be the one-minute manager. I said, what is that? He gave me a book, 12-page book. A one-minute manager is a manager that gives a positive feedback and the negative feedback on the spot. I mean, there are stories, horror stories about people who just give positive feedback. If you give, if always give positive feedback, people will not take you seriously. And similarly, if, but give it right away. So people will, will be agitated the first time you give them a negative feedback, but then you will understand you and be fair. So the feedback is important to give timely feedback. Be patient with the research. It's not something that you dial, okay? Things take time. Okay, let me end with this slide. Uh, I took this slide actually from a friend who, who presented it very well. I don't know if I, I'll do it like him, but here it is. Um, if you plot quest for really major fundamental key changes versus the economic value of what, you, of, of what your invention will do. You, you see something like, someone like Bohr, you know Bohr? I mean, he, theoretical physicist, pure research. What is the economic value of his discovery of how the electrons move around the atom? I mean, you can say, oh, if because of that, we were able to understand materials, we build the transistors, we build the lasers, we build the waveguides, and all of that. But he is in that quadrant, which is his quest is for fundamental understanding, and he didn't add a lot of value to the economy. On the other scale, Edison worked on the light bulb. He didn't have any equations. There was no pure research here, but he applied his research and ideas to build something that have a very, oh, look at that. Oh, that's LEDs. Wow, you guys are great here. Yeah, I need to take a picture of this, those LEDs. Red, white, green, and blue. So, okay, is there any light bulbs here? Yeah, here's one. This is a new lamp. But he, he he actually came to Corning, a company I work with, in 1874, and he was making a few a days, and he wanted a machine that will make thousands. And Corning built that for him. It's called the ribbon machines, and they are still working after so many years. But no equations. This guy had the equations, fundamental understanding, and he had a value for the economy. Okay? I don't have anything to show on this one here, which is no fundamental understanding and no value, <laughs> right? So the, the, uh, you want to be in that quadrant, right? So because here you can do epic shit. I mean, take this <laughs> out of me. Yeah. But, and what I heard is that if you are here, you will do shit at epic proportions. I mean, you don't want to be in that quadrant. You really want to be in that quadrant, okay? Um, so personally, it's really hard for me to picture like inventing something um, or to think of a tool or device that doesn't already exist. 
and perhaps it's just that I don't have that kind of creative capacity, but um, I was just wondering if you could go through your mental process when you think of something to invent and um, how you go about bringing something you imagine to life. Okay, first of all, I have, I have a, a long list of things that we need invention. I want a much better battery for my phone and for my car. I want a solution to the anti-finger, to the fingerprint, okay? <laughs> I want a fuel cell that I put on a plane that will take me across the world without refueling, okay? I need a material that stores, a material that processes, material that understands me, a material that very easy to build and it's completely non-toxic. Those are few examples of I don't have I have the I want you know how people do wire bonding? I mean if you have do you know what wire bonding is? Uh, Bob <laughs> uh, this is a Facebook generation, right? Uh, okay. Let's forget about that. Um, so the, the fir- that's the first part. You said how, repeat the second half of your question. Um, how do you go about bringing something that you imagine like to life? Yeah. Um, a lot of the innovators I have seen in my career are people who, who build things in their homes. You see that they have a workshop. They have a, a radio amateurs. They have a model shop. Um, but you don't have to have that. It, 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 I, my advice to you, okay, that's an advice. When you finish your degree, join a larger company. Join, I mean, many of you will go to startups, I understand that, but join a company that has the infrastructure in terms of available electronics, mechanical, electrical, optical, thermal devices and, 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 work sh- and, and, and labs around so we can try things. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.